Grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. He's alive. Two small words with profound meaning. He's alive. The same message that the angels gave to the women who came to the tomb. He's alive. Life-changing words that bring you and me 2,000 years later comfort, joy, and peace. He's alive. I want to take you back with me just for a moment to that very first Easter morning. Think about the journey to the tomb that the women were on. You know, you probably remember, why they were going back to Jesus' tomb. They were going to anoint him to finish the burial customs that were unable to be finished because the Passover had come. And they were walking with pretty heavy steps on their way to the, cross, or the, way to the tomb. After all, their friend, their teacher, their Lord, the healer, was dead. But something heavier was on their minds too. The stone. Who's going to roll the stone away, they asked each other, so that we can get into the tomb to do what we want to do to prepare Jesus' body for burial. And then they arrived. And the stone was rolled away and an angel was sitting on the top of the stone with a message, he's not here, he's risen. And maybe it's a good time for us to remember and think about why the stone was rolled away from the entrance of the tomb. And maybe at first glance we think, well, the stone needed to be rolled away so that Jesus could get out. But Jesus didn't need the stone rolled away so that he could get out. The stone was rolled away so that we and the women and the disciples can look in. We can look in with the eyes of our faith, the same faith of Job, to see that the grave is empty and the implications of that for our lives today and forever. As we go back to the book of Job, written two millennia before Jesus was ever on earth, it's amazing the clarity with which he sees the resurrection, not just of the Redeemer, but of each one of us too. And as we look at these words from Job, let's focus on that two-word phrase, he's alive. And as we do so, let's remember what that means. Jesus being alive means he conquered death for us. And then it means that he guarantees life to us. Listen again to the first couple words of our text from Job 19. Oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved in rock forever. Can I take you back a few thousand years to the life of Job? Maybe you remember a little bit about his life, about what had happened to him. He was called the greatest man in all of the East, described as an upright and God-fearing man. He was a man of good character and great wealth. And then it all came crashing down rather swiftly. The devil unleashed a torrent of attacks against Job. And almost all of his servants, all of his animals, and even his ten children were dead. Satan didn't stop there. Wave two of the attack saw him go after Job himself. And Job was inflicted with painful sores, we're told, from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Maybe it's hard to even imagine the kind of suffering that Job was going through. 
The loss that he experienced was devastating, but, but almost equally devastating to Job was his frustration that there was no explanation. He wanted to know the why. Why had all of these things happened to him? He even demanded an audience with God to get some answers to why he had gone from being so blessed to what he was experiencing now. Job ultimately had hit rock bottom. And I think that's noteworthy this morning because the words that he speaks, the words of our text, aren't when everything was great in Job's life. They were written and spoken when he was at his very lowest, when he was at rock bottom. When nothing else seemed to be going right in his life, Job held on to the confession that we're about to read. Before he made that confession, it's interesting how he gets us prepared for it. It's as if he's saying to someone, anyone, us this morning, write this down. Oh, that my words were written on a scroll, that they were engraved in stone, that they were etched forever in people's memories. That's what he wanted. He knew somehow that what he was about to say carried with it great importance. I know we have several students here today, and, and most of the rest of you can probably at least remember your student days at least a little bit. So I want to take you to the cl classroom a little bit and just ask you, and, and, and I realize these are two extremes, and some of you might fall in between these two extremes, but, but were you or are you the type of student that pays attention in class and, and is a great note taker and writes everything down that the professor's saying so you can go back and review your notes later and you always feel prepared? Or maybe are you a little bit like others in this room, I'll just speak for myself, who found their minds wandering from time to time in class and then wondered if I had missed something important? Were you like me? I really appreciated the professors who said stuff like this. You might want to write this down, right? Because that was my clue that it was probably coming back on a quiz or a test, and then I was make sure that I always wrote those things down. I mean, isn't that what Job is saying? Write this down. Note it. This is important stuff. And of course, God granted his wish. Because here we are, maybe 4,000 years after Job lived, still reading Job's words. They're recorded for us on the pages of Scripture because what he said is something for us to pay attention to today. Here's how Job began. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. There may be no clearer confession in the Old Testament about the resurrection than Job's words here in Job 19. I know, he says, that my Redeemer lives. The word for Redeemer in the original Hebrew always involves a purchase, buying something, buying someone's freedom, buying something back. And that leads us to a question. So what's Jesus redeeming? What's he buying back? We don't have to think back too far, do we? We just go back to Friday to remember what Jesus was paying, what price he was paying, what he was redeeming. He was redeeming you. He was redeeming me. On the cross that we saw on Good Friday, Jesus had the wrath of God poured out on him, not for his own sins, but for the sins of the whole world, including yours and mine. Martin Luther describes so well what Jesus was suffering on that cross, what he was doing on that cross, the redemption that is ours, when he spoke these words in his explanation to the second article. 
who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned creature, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and his innocent sufferings and death. But we're not here because Jesus is dead. We're not here because he died on the cross. We're here because he lives. Jesus left his tomb empty. And that empty tomb, Job was looking ahead to say, when the Messiah comes and when he leaves that tomb empty, when he lives, that's going to make all the difference for you and for me. You see, Job was looking ahead to the first Easter. He was looking ahead to Jesus' resurrection from the dead and knew that that meant that death had been conquered. He knew that it meant that a payment for sin had been made. And that resurrection guarantees that Jesus' payment was accepted by our Heavenly Father and we stand before him righteous and pure and holy. That's what it means that Jesus conquered death by leaving the grave. It means that we too conquer death. It means that death holds no terror for us anymore because Jesus is alive. To underscore that point, Job continues with this phrase, in the end, he will stand upon the earth. You see what he's getting at, right? Jesus is coming back. The resurrected Jesus isn't off somewhere never to be seen or heard from again. No, he's coming back to this earth, to stand on this earth for you and for me. But we might wonder, Job's been dead for 4,000 years, and when Jesus comes back, what can possibly be left of Job to be raised from the dead? Job answers that question for us too. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. I know we would consider those types of things unpleasant to talk about. I'm guessing you haven't recently had a dinner party where the conversation was, uh, where are you going to be buried someday? Kind of a conversation killer. Or, or maybe even worse, you haven't probably talked a lot about what happens to a body when it lays in a grave for a while? Can we talk about that? What, what happens? What kind of decay and worms? We don't like to talk about those kind of things. The grave can be a scary, a scary thought. But you see what Job's saying, right? Do you see how he's taking away the sting of death by the resurrection of Jesus? See, Job is saying he's coming out of his grave. In my flesh, I will see God, he says. And the same is true for us. See, the grave doesn't have to bother us. It's just a temporary place for our bodies to be held, waiting for our permanent dwelling forever in heaven. And Job says, we're going to see our God face to face with new bodies, immortal. Isn't that amazing to think about? That God is going to raise us from the dead no matter what the state of our body is in our grave. We are going to have renewed bodies to live with him forever. That's the joy of the resurrected Jesus. He not only conquered death, but he guarantees life for you and for me. I love how Job finishes his words in this confession. He says, oh, my heart yearns within me. I know that maybe there's people here who've had experiences with heartburn and probably wouldn't wish that on anybody else. We don't usually like to think about that kind of thing. But an Easter heartburn 
is good. Having our hearts yearning and burning with the joy, the peace, the excitement of a resurrected Savior is something that God wants us to have not just today, not just today on Easter Sunday. He wants our Easter joy to go through everything that we experience in this life. I don't know what kind of mechanisms you use to remember things. Maybe you use your phone, maybe you're a, a post-it note type of person. But, but here's a thought. I'm going to do this this week. I'm going to take a little sticky note and I'm going to put it on the dashboard in my car and it's just going to have two words on it. He's alive. He's alive. I don't know where you want to put yours, but can you try that this week? And just be reminded every day that it changes everything that Jesus is alive. Because no matter what we experience in this world, what, what kind of persecution is out there, no matter what kind of disharmony, lack of peace exists in our world, it doesn't change that Jesus is alive. No matter what kind of financial burden we're bearing, no matter what kind of relationships have soured in our lives, no matter what kind of anxiety or worry or lack of peace we're experiencing, those two words, he's alive, mean we have a life guaranteed for us because Jesus has already conquered death. The Apostle Paul spoke about that Easter joy in Romans chapter 8. He wrote this, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Jesus lives, and that means we will live too. Some takeaways from our Easter sermon today. Number one, he's alive. Those words change our lives. We can say with the same confidence that Job did, I know that my Redeemer lives. Secondly, Jesus is alive. Sin and death have been defeated. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul wrote it this way, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your sting? Where, O death, is your victory? The power of sin, the sting of sin is the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, number three, because Jesus lives, we know we will not stay in our graves. Jesus himself made this promise to you. Because I live, you also will live. Yes, he's alive. And that means sin and death are conquered and life is guaranteed to you and to me. I'm sure you've heard this quote. It's attributed to Benjamin Franklin about the two certainties in life. There's only two certainties in life, death and taxes. Today, on Easter Sunday, we learn that Jesus has the solution for one of those. And no, I know in a week your taxes are due and Jesus is not paying your taxes. But he took care of death, didn't he? He changes everything that death stood for because Jesus conquered death. And because he conquered death, so will you, so will I. We will leave our graves empty and rise to live forever. That's the Easter joy that Jesus wants you to have, not just today, but always. That's the Easter heartburn that we get to carry with us. That's the joy of knowing we have a Savior from sin and an eternal life in heaven to which we look forward. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Believe it. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.